looking at his word, and regardless of what I say. So because God's word is powerful, and he is able to change us. And um, so I'm obviously hoping in that and praying that the words that I will speak will be relevant, will actually just stir our hearts. So before we start, can we just please pray for ourselves? I love, I love this scripture. It's just so much in it, and then we need Holy Spirit's touch. So at three, we're just going to read it out. I changed, I took the liberty of changing all the yours into ours, so we're just, we're just going to read out from there and pray from the Word of God for ourselves. Okay, two, three. The God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to us the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The eyes of our understanding being enlightened, that we may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power. Amen. So we really... Um, expect God to speak to us, reveal to us, because whatever we do, the Holy Spirit must be our source. Holy Spirit, our strength and everything that we need. So, um, last week, Stuart talked about God's community. From the very beginning, he said that God exists in a community of Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And that is the, the perfect community that God shows his people. And, and Jesus prayed the same for us uh, in John 17. And he said, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. And again, Stuart mentioned that he said this, this seems to be the, the only prayer that is just that it hasn't been fully answered because we are, we see a lot of disunity, there's a lot of fractions within our communities, within our churches. And, but why? Why are we struggling to be part of the answer to this prayer? And why can't we live in? perfect community as the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit exemplifies us for us. So, I mean, in a way, it's, it's, it's obvious that because the people are not perfect, I am not perfect, none of you are perfect. And since Adam and Eve sins, the humans, we are acting in a very selfish ways. And by saying that, I'm not trying to put the blame on to our ancestors because we are all responsible for our own actions, our own words. But my point is, if Jesus prayed this prayer that we may, be, we may also be in them, in Father and Son, so that means... This must be possible. He's not going to waste a prayer 
he is the Son of God after all. So I think we really need to take heart and uh, however, you know, the things that we see is not going along with the, the image that God wants to create, but because Jesus prayed this prayer so we can persevere to uh, see that this prayer being answered in our own lives. So over the next uh, month or so, together, we will um, look at um, the... Oh, this is crowd. Crowd. It should be crowd. I don't know what happened there. <laughs> so, it's, uh, um, so we're going to look in the practical ways of how to turn a crowd into a community. I don't know what's happening with my last letters. It's, uh, it must be the, the format of it. So it was right. And so that the world may believe that you have sent me, it could be answered. So that will be our um, purpose, that will be our, will be um, specifically practical, we'll try to be practical in our, um, you know, time with uh, learning from God's Word. So, now today, I believe it's one of the um, important key to this God kind of community is mentioned in another prayer of Jesus. So we're just going to uh, briefly look at that. And in fact, that's uh, I'm sure you all know it by heart. It's the Lord's Prayer. It's, it's His uh, example prayer. So it goes, uh, Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts. That's as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And, and it carries on. It's quite scary, this bit, to be honest, when you carry on. With, we are very familiar with that. But if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Well, it's the forgiveness that I want to talk about. We talked about relationships. It's uh, um, Helen was saying how important the relationships are. Where there's relationships, there's always conflict. There's always difficulties, whether within the church community or outside the church community. And, um, and I must say, in my, understand, in my uh, opinion, uh, the church doesn't exercise enough forgiveness. We do not live in the, the forgiveness life, the forgiving life that Jesus exemplified and asked us to do. And I believe this has um, big effects on us. And so, as I said, there is, uh, where there's people, there's always conflicts, there's always some misunderstanding, things will happen. Even Jesus himself, said that to us in, in Luke 17.1. He said, it is impossible that no offenses should come. So, but I find it quite interesting um, that even the world is finding more and more about the importance of forgiveness. I just did a little internet search and looking through, there's a lots of things, but I mean, that's one thing that it just caught my eyes, and it's from the, um, it's called Greater Good magazine, says this, numerous studies have documented 
that forgiveness can reduce stress hormones and it may improve both immune system and cardiovascular functioning. In addition, forgiveness reduces rumination and associated depression, anxiety, anger, obsessive and compulsive cognition, and even psychomatic illness. Forgiveness also improves relationships. Uh -huh. And many studies show that the quality of our relationships is single best predictor of happiness. That is what the secular people are saying about forgiveness. So, and I also find it very interesting that in the Lord's Prayer, the, the forgiveness bit, especially this bit, as we also have forgiven our debtors are included. It's because if you look at it, that is the only part It actually puts a responsibility on you and me. The rest is all about God, God doing things. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And your kingdom come, your will be done. That's all God's doing. All of these. But the only thing that it says, and, and forgive our debts, we are asking God to forgive us. But he's then putting the responsibility on us, saying, also we, uh, as we also have forgiven our debtors. So I think it's quite interesting that he does that. And um, the rest is all on God. So this actually speaks to me very loudly that forgiveness is a good work that God has prepared for us before the foundation of the world. That's in, if you look at in Ephesians 2.10, then uh, God talks about, you know, that uh, passage talks about salvation. We are all saved by grace. Everyone agree on that? There's nothing. Good works cannot save you or anyone else. Good works is not going to work for salvation. We are totally and utterly dependent to God to save us. But we also know, and then, and then it carries on, and God has uh, prepared good works for us to walk in. And I believe forgiveness is one of those good works. It's a great start, I believe. And so I, tr I truly believe that when we learn to forgive as Jesus forgave, or if you remember his last words, on the cross, I mean, imagine that. He is hanging on the cross, just aching, and it's just that's the suffering that he's been through. And he says, Father, forgive them. Uh, that, is, that is just beyond, really, like um, human abilities. It's uh, God, divine. It's the Holy Spirit ability. And the amazing thing is, and one of the early followers, Stephen, who gone through the same thing, he was stoned to death. And he followed his Lord's example. He forgave the people that, who were uh, stoning him. So, and I believe as we forgive as we learn to forgive as Jesus forgive, forgave, we will be transformed as individuals, first of all, and as a community, so that we'll be a step closer to the God kind of community as we 
um, deal with one another. Before moving on, and, and uh, I want to point out there are different dimensions of uh, forgiveness, which probably I won't be able to um, you know, touch all of them, but I mean, it could be like a, um, it's asking for forgiveness. It is, it is a hard thing. It requires humility when you make a mistake just to say, okay, hey, this is my mistake going and asking. That is hard. And it could be um, forgiving someone that, um, who, uh, when person asks for forgiveness, you know, they realize they made a mistake, they come and ask you to forgive. And forgiving that person, it is still requires, you know, some strength from the Holy Spirit. And, uh, but Jesus says, he deals with that, and, and he says when um, Peter cleverly asks him, you know, how many times I should uh, forgive my brother, and, and Jesus makes it very clear, 70 times 7. It's like basically, you know, don't, don't even count it, just you forgive. If someone comes and asks you to forgive, just forgive. That is what Jesus' um, words to uh, his disciples. And then um, forgiving yourself. That is actually quite a subtle thing. It's just we don't even realize sometimes how hurt with ourselves and how, how we live that unforgiveness in our hearts about ourselves. It could be very, very freeing. And, um, well, how about forgiving God? It sounds absurd, isn't it? How can I forgive God? But we do blame sometimes unconsciously for, for the things that's happening in our God. Why me, God? Why me? And so that is a... Uh, requires spirit work in our lives, and uh, but probably the the one of the the hardest way of forgiveness is really the uh, to someone who hasn't asked for forgiveness that just done something horrible, and then but you um, oops sorry sorry guys, and um, and forgiving that person or or people. Whatever. So, but if God requires us to do that, that you can be sure that He will give you the strength and grace to do it along with it. He will never ask you, the, the scripture says, He will never tempt you beyond your abilities, and He will never ask you to do something that, that you are incapable of because He is a good God. So, our foundation for forgiving others for a Christian is our own forgiveness. The scripture says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. And another one, it's Colossians 3.13. It says, bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. We really need to look back and see what God has forgiven us from. The kind of things that I've done in my life and the, the vastness of the forgiveness that God has offered me, offered each one of us, it is amazing. It is amazing. I, I am not a good person, and none of us are. But that is what the gospel is all about. Forgiving the one that, who is unforgivable, unforgivable but it's, uh, that it's possible still to come and receive forgiveness uh, from God because God 
sent his son Jesus to, to die on the cross. Uh, and this truth on its own is enough to forgive other people really. Just to, God forgave me and I should be able to just pass the forgiveness on to others. But there are some other things that we're just going to look at quickly. I um, love this quote, uh, this saying, and forgiveness is like drinking poison and hoping someone else will die. It is, it sounds funny, doesn't it? But we do that often. We do think, and um, you know, if I don't forgive someone, I will be punishing them. That is one of the reasons we find it difficult to forgive someone who offended us or even some other loved one. You know, it could have happened. There are awful things happening in the world, and I have no idea. You might have gone through something which is just unbelievable, unbelievable, but you know, then you're carrying that thing and you might be thinking, it's like a, you know, I want that person to be punished. I don't want them to get away with that. But who do we trust for justice? Who's going to bring the justice about in your circumstances? Is it going to be the uh, the courtroom, they're going to maybe convict the person, put them in the prison for life sentence. Or yourself, you're maybe finding that it's like, it's so difficult, you know, this is not going to happen, so I have to do that. And then forgiveness is a, a kind of tool that you use to punish the person. But you know what? God says in Deuteronomy um, and also, it repeats in Romans 12, vengeance is mine. I will repay. We must come to terms. I am not going to be the one who will pass the punishment on the person that who did that offense. So we, if we understand that, it's, God is well able to judge, to bring whatever they deserve because he is a just God. And he will never, ever miss anything. He is not going to miss the little words they said. He's not going to miss the things, the horrible things that they've done. He knows everything. Trust that God is just. He is not going to let go of that person because he hasn't seen it or he decides not to. It's like another uh, word saying, forgiveness is not about letting the bad guy off the hook. It is about taking the hook out of your own heart. We can't punish the offender in our own strength. And by f if you're holding on to unforgiveness because you think you're punishing them, those horrible things that they've done to you, you're mistaken. Just let go. Trust God. God is just. And He will repay as He says. So, also sometimes we think they don't deserve it. They don't deserve to be forgiven. They haven't done anything. What did I deserve? 
I deserve death. I should have been dead. But God pulled me out of my horrible life and then he gave me life and he made me a child of God. I don't deserve. Who deserves God's goodness? God's goodness. No one. So we cannot use that they don't deserve as an excuse not to forgive someone. And, okay, now do you remember, I'm not going to read all details, but do you remember the story of un Unforgiven Servant, which is in Matthew 18, 23 to 35? I'll just quickly go through with you. And basically, the, the, the king wants to deal with the servants and, and calls uh, one by one the ones that who owes him money. And then one of them comes, he owns him like 10,000 talents, which is like millions of pounds, millions of pounds he owes. And then like, and the king says, basically, you know, pay it. And he says, I can't, you know, just send them to prison. And he starts begging with king. And he says, forgive me, Lord, forgive me. And then, and, and, you know, just I will pay it back to you. So I have my children and, you know, my family. So God, um, the master, takes pity on him. And he says, you know what? Okay, I am going to cancel all your debt. You are free. Wow. What a generous master. What a generous king. And our, this little fellow uh, goes out and then bumps into a, another um, friend of his who owns him only uh, 100 pounds. And he says, give me my money to him. And the, guy, the other guy who owes the small amount, he says, well, I don't, just please, please give me a chance and I'll open. No, he goes, it's like a... You're going, to, you're going to be sent to prison until, until you pay all your debts. And that's what he does. When he does that, some others see the situation because he's been forgiven millions of pounds and then now he's asking for 100 pounds. He's sending his fellow uh, person to uh, prison. And then they basically report him to the uh, king and the king calls him back. He is angry. That's what the scripture says. And he says, what are you doing? You've been forgiven so much. And basically, he says, send him to the prison. Now, the reason that I put often forgiveness affects others, do you see in the story, you know, number one, the, the guy that he was forgiven millions of dollars, he himself ended up in the prison. And he's not going to get out of from there. But the other sad thing is, because of this forgiveness... The, a fellow servant was also affected. He was put into prison because of his selfishness, because of his wanting to get his hundred pounds back. And not only that, the other people that, who watched the situation, who saw what was the dealings going on between the, the unforgiving servant and the other uh, fellow servant, and they were affected. They grieved, it says in the scriptures. They grieved... And they had to go and do something about it. They'd gone to the king. They were just so upset with the, what they witnessed. And, and the fourth party who was affected, it was the king. It says king was angry. Do you see forgiveness, how contagious, but it's in a very negative way, that it just affects the whole community. It's not only one person. 
If you're not forgiving, uh, uh, forgiving, if, if you're hosting unforgiveness in your heart, your unforgiveness could easily spill out and affect the community we're trying to build. So it is so important for us to, um, to forgive. So these are the reasons. That it's, so we said that forgiveness is a good work God prepared for us. And forgive uh, because of the forgiveness you received. So leave the vengeance to God. He is just. And I didn't deserve forgiveness, so I can pass it on. I didn't deserve it. And and, and affects others. So we don't want to be a bad influence around ourselves. So now we're going to briefly look at the, uh, the, how forgiveness works. Number one, forgiveness is a choice. It's a choice to move forward to leave the past behind. Because when you don't forgive, you live in the past. You don't live in the present. We must understand that forgiveness is not a feeling. Okay? Forgiveness, you do not forgive with your emotions. You make a decision to say, I am going to forgive. Forgiveness is not a feeling. Just to explain this, it's a, I'm sure you all familiar with this, like, uh, you know, the, the, you know, man is, mankind is made up. We are like three parts. We have a body, and which is, you know, where we um, are dwelling. We have a soul, and our soul is made up our mind, emotions, and will, all right? And we have our spirit, which when we accept Christ, it becomes alive. Until we receive Christ, that part, the middle part, is dead. It's not able to communicate with God. So this is our forgiveness takes place in our will. We make a decision. And our emotions will not do the, the job of forgiveness. Now, the two people who are exposed to the uh, same situation can uh, have different emotions. So think of... Um, Two people who are exposed to, a, you know, a big dog approaching them. One of them, who was brought up with dogs, who loves dogs, and he sees the dog, and he says, oh, welcomes the dog. It's like, oh, what a lovely dog you are. It's just like a... And then the other person, at an early age, when he was a child, he was attacked by a dog who didn't have any contact. So the same person, the, the same situation, but people would... Um, react differently based on their thoughts, their experiences. But you know what? God has given us his word so that we don't have to go by with our emotions or with our past experiences because God shows us the way the forgiveness is the best way to be released from the, the weight of that um, Feeling. We don't need to live with the, um, the feeling of like anger, the bitterness. He wants us to forgive. So he wants us to turn our emotions into love, joy, peace, and with all things, rather than bitterness, um, hatred, desperation, or whatever. Remember, forgiveness is a choice. 
And it is our will makes the decision, not the emotions. Emotions will follow. Emotions will um, come. And the thing is, now it goes with that. It's the, uh, Romans 12, 12 talks about, do not be confirmed to this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may approve what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So we need to understand the forgiveness takes place in our will. We make a decision. We don't feel, I don't feel like forgiveness for forgiving someone. That is not the God's way. So we need to, you might have that kind of attitude maybe throughout all your previous years, but God wants us to be changed. Earlier on, Rebecca brought a word saying about the mindsets. You know, our mindset needs to be changed. And our mindset needs to be changed with the the touch of the uh, Holy Spirit in our lives. And that's why, on the previous one, we have the, uh, the Spirit of God living in us. We are not on our own anymore to make these decisions. We don't have to go by with the emotions or the past experiences that it's telling us, no, it's not worth. You, you know, just keep punishing him. Or they don't deserve it. God wants us to change these mindset, and through the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives living right inside of us, we need to open and we need to listen to the Holy Spirit, how he's guiding us, and then we need to see the change of our minds so that we could um, actually see the change of our emotions, which is following our decision rather than leading the rest of things, rest of the uh, you know, our, our you know, emotions needs to follow. So, um, now, what is your decision based on? Is it emotions or God's truth? That is, I think we need to ask ourselves, if you're struggling with uh, forgiving someone, if you're finding it difficult, that is the question we need to answer in our, in our minds, in our hearts. It's just that I want to build my life based on God's truth. So the last thing that I want to mention is forgiveness is, uh, forgiveness requires action. What do I by, uh, say by that? It's a kind of proof that God has, for, uh, that we have forgiven. Now in Matthew 5.23, um, it says, before you bring your gift to the altar, go and reconcile with the brother that whom you're upset with. When we really, truly, totally forgive, we will want to do something for that person. We will go and deal with that. And, and another script, oops, sorry, where are we? Another scripture is Romans 12, uh, 20. It says, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him a drink. For in doing so, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Enemy. Who is enemy? Enemy is someone that we can't really just forgive. We can't really get on. So that is what God says. If you really want to forgive, if you want to see that forgiveness taking place in your heart, then go and do something for that person. And the, uh, the other two scripture simply just requires us to pray. That prayer is the least we can do. And Matthew 5, 44, I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, 
do good to those who hate you and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. It is not easy. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you and pray for those who spitefully use you. Please don't misunderstand. It's the, I am not saying forgiveness is an easy job to do. It is not. It is not. That's why there are so many scriptures in, the, in, the, in, the, in God's word to encourage us to take a step forward. And remember, forgiveness is not an emotional action. It is done by your choice, by your will. You make a decision, and it is possible. And, um, and, but the thing is, all I'm saying is, forgiveness is good for me, good for you, good for our community. If we want to build the God kind of community that he's been talking to us, I think that one of the simplest and the foundational step would be to walk in forgiveness. And remember, with God, nothing is impossible. He is there to help us. I'm done with my words, and, uh, but I think it would be good if we have spent some time, have a quiet time. It's the probably, I, I don't know, I don't want to take over from you, but... Uh, um, I think we'd, I, I would like us to spend some time just asking God to stir our hearts, to point out anything if he is in particular wants to show you. As I said, this could be this forgiveness issue, could be a, a very vast subject. Ask God to show. And then I'm going to pray quickly, then I'm going to move on. Is that okay, Matt? My wife.